0: truth. Amen. Well, open your Bibles tonight to uh, Philippians. Go with us again to Philippians chapter number 1. And I'll stay up here so I don't get into the decorations down there. One false backward step and we'd be in trouble. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we didn't have church last Wednesday night due to Thanksgiving, and so um, we're back in Philippians. We're going to finish up chapter number one tonight, the Lord willing, the Lord willing. But uh, in Philippians chapter number one, if you're there, they'll be putting it on the screen. I'm going to read the uh, last four verses of that first chapter, verses 27 27 through 30. Amen. We're going to share some things with you from the Word of God from these verses tonight. So you there, Philippians 1 and 27. The Apostle Paul says this, writing to the church, to the saints at Philippi, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together. Notice this striving together for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28 and not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Let me read that again. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries which is to them a proof of perdition or destruction but to you of salvation and that from God for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake we don't like that part of it do we but to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Father, add your blessing to the word tonight, anoint and help me to teach and minister your word to your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. I think we all understand tonight, we all realize that the Christian life is not a playground or a picnic Living for the Lord, being a child of God, we are on a battleground. How many would agree with that tonight? Um, I think the Bible, and I know the Bible bears that out, that we are soldiers in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are battling a spiritual enemy today. We have an adversary. We have... A spiritual enemy today. The Bible talks about it, Paul does, in Ephesians chapter 6. Verses that we are all familiar with in Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world. And wicked spirits, a host of wicked spirits in the heavenlies and high places. There is a, there's another world out there that we can't see with, this, with our physical, natural eyes, but nevertheless is very real, and that is the spiritual realm or the spirit world. I've said this before, that, and, and, and I believe that it's true, that the spirit world is actually more real than the physical world because the spirit world, God is a spirit, created this physical, natural world. So there is a spirit world, a spiritual realm, and there are principalities, powers. There are wicked spirits. There are fallen angels, evil angels that um, that are that are in control of the those who are fallen, who are in the world, and are in charge of those and um, and holding power and sway over people over the world that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we as as the called out ones, as the ecclesia, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are in a conflict with those spiritual forces today. Amen. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. And um, we as believers must stand our ground against the forces of darkness and And we as believers must defend the faith of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is admonishing this this church here in Philippi and these believers to do, is to stand their ground, to stand fast, and to stand in defense of the gospel of Jesus and defend the faith of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude said the same thing in Jude uh, in his little one chapter epistle in verse 3. Jude said that we are to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And so we know that the faith, faith, the faith, when when the Bible speaks of the faith or the gospel, uh, it uses the definite article. It's talking about, it's talking about our belief system. Listen, uh, we talk about, you know, we hear people talk about different faiths today. There is the Muslim faith or the Catholic faith or this faith or that faith, but there's only one true faith. Amen. And it's not the, the it's not the, uh, Pentecostal faith or the Baptist faith or the Catholic faith. The true faith is this book right here. The the doctrines that are taught in the word of Almighty God. We've got to earnestly contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. There is no new gospel today. Well, there is, but it's not the right one. Amen? And uh, so we've got to earnestly contend for this faith that was once delivered to the saints. And the faith today is under attack by the powers of darkness. Paul even warned in his letter to Timothy, in his first epistle to Timothy, Paul warned of a departure from from the faith in the last days. And I believe we're seeing that now. That, that He said that, that, that some would depart in the last days, depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And we see that taking place today. If Satan can rob believers of their Christian faith and uh, the Bible doctrines that we hold to, then if he can be successful in doing that, then he can cripple and defeat the church. And that is his plan. That his, that's his M.O. That's what he's trying to do and working to do and has been uh, working to do for the past 2,000 years. He's the same. You know, God, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, yesterday, today, and forever. But you know, the devil hasn't changed Either. I mean, he's the same today, working the same way with the same schemes and plans and plots that he that he always has amen and Paul told the church at Corinth he said you're not ignorant of the devil's devices and so we don't we're, we're not to be ignorant of his devices of his schemes of his wiles of how he operates and how he works but that is what he is he is seeking to do he's his desire is to rob the church to rob the saints, of their faith and and the Bible doctrines that we have held to for 2,000 years that the church has been founded on. Satan wants to rob us of that, to turn us from those, from those truths and from those teachings to lead us astray into false doctrine and false teachings. So we've got to be, we must be in these last days, especially defenders of of the faith. Can I get an amen? hallelujah we've got to hold on stand our ground praise God against those attacks of the enemy and there's only one way that you and I can fight effectively against the enemy and beings it's a spiritual it's a spiritual enemy the only successful and effective way that we can fight against the enemy is to use spiritual weapons amen we can't get a hold of the devil and punch him in the eye, amen, (laughs) but uh, I tell you, but but we can use the weapons of our warfare, Paul said to the church at Corinth that the weapons of our warfare are not not fleshly or carnal, but those weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, how many is glad tonight we've got some spiritual weapons to to use against the enemy and against his attacks and against his his, uh, strategies that he brings against us and against the church. Paul gives a list, we'll not go into this tonight, but uh, in that sixth chapter of Ephesians Paul gives a list of of, of our of the uh, armor of God and the weapons the, the w- one weapon that he gives us the offensive weapon in Ephesians six is the sword of the spirit but he talks about the uh, the, the armor of God that the believer has and um, in Hebrews chapter four he talks about the the, the word of God being the sword of the spirit so so we have some spiritual weapons we have the word of God is is our weapon prayer is a weapon the blood of Jesus is a weapon the name of Jesus as I said a while ago is a weapon these are spiritual weapons that we have to use against the, um, the strategies and the attacks of the enemy but we must also depend upon the Holy Spirit to give us power to stand and the power that we need amen to overcome the work the wiles of the devil in these last days if there ever was a time the church needs to be spirit filled and on fire and full of the holy ghost it's this day and this time and this hour probably you know in the time in this day the day which we live when the church needs more of the power of the holy spirit it seems that we're more deficient in the power of the holy spirit and that ladies and gentlemen that should not be the case we need to rise up we're going to have to rise up stand our ground take a stand use the weapons of our warfare be filled with the spirit of god if we are going to be victorious and overcome in these days in which we live in these these last days, in these perilous times that Paul talked about. So as an army of the Lord, we have weapons to use, but as an army of the Lord, we must also fight together. We must fight together. There must be unity within the body of Christ within the church. And so Paul deals with this in these, in these four verses of Scripture, verse 27 through 30. Paul deals with this and gives some essentials here in this passage. He gives some essentials for, for the victory in our conflict. So, if you'll notice in verse 27, verse 27, he says this only let your, I'm reading from the New King James, he said, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit. Notice he says, he talks about a consistency here in this passage. He says, let your conduct be, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That word conduct there in the King James, it's uh, the word conversation. And, uh, you know, our word our definition today for conversation is different than it was in that day when the King James translation in 1611. Conversation today, when we mention conversation, we think about sitting down and talking to somebody. But the word conversation and the way it's translated here in the New King James is a little more, a little more, more understandable to us because it means our conduct. The, the Greek word is a word for citizenship. And it speaks of a manner of life, our manner of life, or our lifestyle. How many of y'all know tonight that we're citizens, you, you and I are citizens of two worlds. We're a citizen of the United States. I'm glad I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Amen. Greatest nation on the face of the earth. In spite of all of our problems and faults, we're still a great nation. But uh, I'm a citizen citizen of the United States. But you know what? I've got another citizenship. And Paul mentioned that also in Philippians 3 and 20 where he said that we are citizens of heaven. He says in Philippians 3, 20, my citizenship is in heaven or our citizenship is in heaven. So what Paul is saying here that we are citizens of another world, come on somebody, And, and we need... To behave ourselves as citizens, as good citizens of heaven. Our behavior should uh, match our citizenship. Can I get an amen? Do you know it's important how you behave? Yes. <laughs> is that right it's important how you conduct yourself it's important as believers how you live your life and that's what the apostle paul is saying to this church here he said it's important that you behave how you represent the lord jesus christ the kingdom of god and the gospel of the lord jesus christ S- christians are citizens of heaven and we ought to behave ourselves as citizens of heaven the the conduct the conduct that that believers have that you and I as believers have the our conduct is to to be a credit to the gospel do you know and that's what Paul is saying here let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ do you know that you as a believer? And myself included, um, as Christians, that we're the only Bible that a lot of people will ever read. And when they, when 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 we say, "Well, we're Christians. We love the Lord. We're saved." You know, we go to Abundant Life Family Church or whatever, and uh, people are looking at us and they're reading our lives. Paul said to one of the the churches that you are an epistle known and read of all men so Paul was telling this church and telling us as well that we are to our conduct our lifestyle the way we live our life is to we should we should represent the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ in a good way amen now, shouldn't anybody be able to point to us and 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 and, and our life should never be a rep- Approach to the Word of God or to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A consistent, godly life is a powerful force today and a powerful weapon against the enemy. And we need to make sure that our lives, our conduct, our walk is worthy of what this book says and that, it, that our life matches what the Word of God says that it ought to match. Amen? This is our roadmap of how we are to live. And uh, the Word of God gives us, gives us the, the, um, the guidelines and the instruction on uh, living a godly life. So he says there, and as I, I mentioned this, in the King James it says, Let your conversation... Your conduct, be as it, the New King James says, be worthy of the gospel. But in the King James it says, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That word becometh is an interesting uh, word choice and word to be used there and uh, because and I like that word because um, the word becometh or becoming means to be fit or to be suitable so what that's saying is that our life our conduct the way we present ourselves should be fit or suitable to the gospel of Jesus Christ are you with me you know, when we speak of someone's clothing, and I, 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 have you ever heard this phrase? You speak of some, how someone's dressed, uh, someone's clothing, that, it, that what they're wearing, you know, if their clothes look good upon them, if, got a, if, they're, if they're sporting a new outfit or something, and it's really looking nice, they, you know, somebody might say, man, that, that, that outfit is very becoming on you. You ever heard that phrase used? That's very becoming of you. And what it means is that it's suitable or it looks good upon them. And so that's what this word is saying and what Paul is saying here is that our spiritual garments, come on somebody, our spiritual garments need to become our Christian profession. In other words, we need to be a well-dressed Christian. What would a well-dressed Christian? wear. what you know and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the clothes that that we put on and the clothes we wear. I'm talking about how, how will how should we adorn ourselves spiritually with the proper spiritual garments and that's what Paul is referring to here come on can I get an amen our conduct Our life is to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in the gospel. Paul said in Titus 2 and 10 that they may adorn, that they, speaking of the believers, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Just as a bride is adorned with that wedding dress and is beautiful on her wedding day, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ must adorn ourselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ with his holiness come on amen we need to make sure our conduct and our lifestyle is becoming of the gospel of Jesus and it becomes us that we're looking good in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ bearing the fruit of the spirit and his righteousness and his holiness in our life and I know there's you know I know there's, there's there's folks that that preach today, well, it really doesn't matter or, or that don't stress the importance of how we are to live our life. But ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, there's a listen, when you get saved, you get born again. We all know this tonight. You get born again, there's a life change that takes. There's a change that takes place in your life, amen? I mean, you're, you're wearing some old, you're wearing the old, filthy, uh, unclean, spiritual of that old man and when you get saved you get born again those old rags of sin and filth are stripped off of your life and you get some new clothes come on amen you get a uh, praise God you get a, a spotless holy clean robe of righteousness from the Lord Jesus Christ I've said it told you about it many times I mean man when I got up from that altar that Sunday morning after getting born again, after getting saved. Saturday night, man, I was dressed in the old unclean garments of cursing and swearing and drinking and carousing. But the next day, praise God, oh, at that altar of prayer, that old garment of sin, that old man was crucified, that old lifestyle of sin and those clothings, those filthy rags were stripped away and I got a brand new wardrobe. Hallelujah! I was adorned with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm not going to take time to go there, but go to, uh, you can read it later this week. But Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 talks about, this, gives the, 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 the vision Zechariah had of, of Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him and how that Joshua was clothed in filthy garments but the Lord said, take away those filthy garments and put some new clothes on him, put on him some clean garments of righteousness and ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what the Lord does. Us, our life should become it should become the gospel of Christ it should be our life should be suitable as one that is living and walking according to what the word of God tells us in this new testament teaches and tells us that we should be and how we should live amen praise God none of us perfect None of us got wings here. We're not angels. Those are shoulder blades back there. They're not wings sprouting. Amen. But praise God. We're. I've said it before. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not what I. What I will be. But thank God, I'm not what I used to be either. Praise God. We're all in that process of being sanctified but our life I'm not going to get done if I don't move on but our life has got to be clean before the Lord now the Bible tells us and uh, you can go to Colossians 3 uh, Colossians 3 8 through 10, Paul gives us there a list of some things that we are to put off as a new creature in Christ. Some things that we are to put off. He said there in, in Colossians 3, to put off the old man. And then he lists some things to put off. And let me just go through and, and just mention some of these. He said to put off anger, to put off wrath to put off malice, to put off blasphemy, filthy language, and lying. Those were some things he said. You put those things off. Those are a part of the old man. Those things have no part in the new creation and in the new man that is created in righteousness and holiness in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Let me mention them again. Just a few things he mentioned to put off. Anger, wrath, malice... Blasphemy, filthy language, and lying. Someone said here a few months back, someone uh, uh, put on, fa- on Facebook, that's why sometimes I, I wish I wasn't on there, but the, at, at, they, they put on there that it wasn't a sin to cuss. Wasn't a sin to use profanity. That They said that the Bible doesn't say, there's nowhere in the Bible that says, thou shalt not cuss. Well, duh. Does that mean that just because there's not a scripture that says, thou shalt not cuss, does that mean that then you are free to cuss? What about that scripture there in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, one of the things that are a part of the old man that is to be put away is. Filthy language, filthy language, Um, filthy corrupt communication is not to... Christians are not to use profanity and bad language. Are you listening to me? Praise God. I know why you're quiet. You're just listening real good. But he said to put those things off. And then he said, here's some things to put on in verses 12 through 14 of Colossians 3. He said, you put off that old man and the deeds of the old man, but then here's some things you need to put on. We're still talking about changing our clothes, of adorning the gospel of Jesus Christ, of our conduct being worthy of the gospel of Christ. He said, put these things on. He says, put on some tender mercies. Put on some kindness. Boy, there's some folks I know that need a good dose of Holy Ghost kindness. Come on, somebody. He said, put on some humility and some meekness and some long-suffering. And then, listen to this, bearing with one another. See, that long-suffering and bearing with one another, that means putting up with one another. Amen. That that Those two kindly go together. And then he said, forgiving one another and loving one another. See, those are some things that we need to put on. we got to put off the old and put on the new new man and our conduct and our life and our walk has got to be worthy of the gospel of Christ our manner of life ladies and gentlemen either helps or it hinders the gospel the way we live either recommends the truth to others or else it makes the truth and the and the way of righteousness repulsive to others amen and there's been so many people and I know people who use anything for an excuse but there's been so many people that have been have been turned away from the gospel, turned away from the church because of someone that professed a, a, a life for Christ but didn 't possess a life for Christ. come on somebody, Amen. So we've got to have a consistency in our lifestyle. In this last day in which we live, we've got to stand fast with a consistent, holy walk before the Lord Jesus Christ. Live clean and holy and pure. The second thing he says in that 27th verse, notice, not only is our conduct to be worthy of the gospel, but secondly, he says, that you... Stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Striving together, standing fast in, notice this, one spirit, he's talking to the church, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here, Paul is given the challenge for us to stand fast for the Lord Jesus Christ. To stand fast. That word, stand fast, literally means to hold your ground regardless of the danger, regardless of the opposition. We are to stand fast and stand our ground and hold our ground. That's what Paul said over there in Ephesians as well. He said, having done all the stand, do what? Stand, don't be moved. Stand fast and hold your ground. It was used, that word was used of a soldier who was defending his position uh, against the enemy at all costs, no matter whether he was outnumbered or not. He would not surrender, he wouldn't raise that white flag, but he would stand his ground against the enemy. Amen. That's what God is looking for today in a child of God and in a church. A church that will stand, that will hold our ground. And I'm telling you, there's an adversary out there, ladies and gentlemen, that is coming against the body of Christ. And it's going to get worse in these last days to try to get us to compromise our stand. But praise God, we've got to make up our mind tonight that we're going to stand with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We'll not let up, let down, compromise, give up in any shape, form, or fashion and we're going to stand our ground for the, for, the, for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the word of Almighty God. Amen. He said to stand together in one spirit with one mind. What's he trying to tell us there? That we as a body of believers have got to take our stand and stand fast in unity. In a oneness and a unity, because our adversary, here's the thing that the adversary wants to do. Here's the thing that the enemy knows that, 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 that there's the key, that his key to defeating the church, if he can divide us, he can destroy us and defeat us. Are you with me? Oh, I wish I could get a! I wish I could get a church here to get a concept of how powerful it is when believers dwell together in unity. I've preached it to you from Psalm one thirty three. Hallelujah! Before it's like that holy anointing oil upon the head of Aaron the high priest that flows down. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon, and he said that it's there that God commands His blessing. You want the blessing of God in a church? Get a church that. That will bind together in one mind and one heart and one soul and one belief in unity and stand fast together. That devil can't do anything with a church like that. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm about to have a running spell. Amen. They were to be one of in, in one spirit, striving together. Praise the Lord. Striving together. That Greek word for striving is it's interesting because it's the word where we get, and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It wouldn't make any difference whether I pronounced it right or wrong. You just didn't need to know what it means. It's the word that we get our English word athletics from. Athletes. What do athletes do? Athletes are team members. They're a part of a team. They work as a team. And so Paul uses this word striving, the word that that also refers to athletics. He uses that word and he pictures the church as a team and it's teamwork. It is teamwork that wins the victories over the enemy. There was some minor division that was cropping up in the church at Philippi. In verse uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul alludes to it when he says, he speaks of two women there, uh, Euodia and uh, Syntyche, and he says to them, he said, I implore you to be of the same mind in the Lord. So he alludes to the fact that there was two ladies in the church at Philippi that were not getting along, that were kindly at odds what the problem was. We really don't know. But there were some then in the church probably that were taking sides with one, and some was taking sides with the other. And Paul is imploring them not to allow this strife to come into this church, into this body. He said, I implore you to get these things worked out. To be of the same mind. Hallelujah. You know, I've said it here many times, ladies and gentlemen, that at Abundant Life Family Church, we have to have a zero tolerance for strife within the church because that is, you know what the devil's motto is, is divide and conquer. If he can divide us, he can defeat us. Amen. And we cannot allow that to happen. And so that was what was happening here in this church There was a division there. Those two women not getting along was hindering the work of the church. And that's how the enemy works to try to bring internal division to a local church and a local body. And if Satan can be successful in doing that, he knows that he's won a great victory. Jesus himself even said in Matthew 12, 25 that every city or house that's divided against itself cannot stand. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter four, he tells those in the church at Ephesus that you that they must endeavor to keep are to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So when there's unification in a body of believers, it's up to that body of believers to work and to endeavor endeavor and to labor to keep that unity within the church. Come on, amen? Are you with me? we got to keep that unity we cannot allow at any time um, a, a division or a strife within the body of Christ so Paul says there in verse 27 here's an important word that he uses there in that 27th verse he says that we he says that you would stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together that's such an important word That word together, standing firmly together in one spirit, striving together against the enemy and doing it with one mind and one heart. That is a picture of a team of athletes, a team, a sports team that is in perfect harmony, perfect unity, and everybody on that team doing their play in their position, doing their job, and everybody getting along on the team. That's the team that will be a team that's hard to beat. Can I get an amen? Every person on the team has his assigned place and his job to do. Not everybody on the team can be the captain or the quarterback. Come on. The team has to follow the rules and the Bible is the rule book that the church has to go by and to follow. And there is one goal for that team. You know what that goal is? It's to honor Jesus Christ and to do His will. And church, if we will all work together, we can reach that goal and we can glorify the Lord Jesus. When teamwork disappears, then division and competition take over and then the enemy will get the upper hand but we here at Abundant Life Family Church I've made up my mind and I'm asking you to do the same thing tonight and to make that commitment that we're going to strive together and that we're going to be of one mind and we're going to be of one heart and we're going to be in unity together as one and we will be a force in this Farmington Aryan community if we'll have that kind of unity that the devil cannot be successful Successful against. Can I get it? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I gotta close. I gotta close. Paul says this. Look at verse 28. We're just kind of moving along here, verse by verse. Verse 28. I love this because now he's talked about a consistency. With, 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 within the church he's talked about a unity within the church but now he talks about a confidence that the church that the believers have to have that we stand against our enemies and our adversaries unafraid and without any fear whatsoever a lot of fear going on today. But Notice what Paul says in verse 28. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition or of destruction, but to you of salvation and that by God. Notice that and be not in any way terrified by your adversaries. The New Living Translation says it this way, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. I kind of like that. The New American Standard says this, in no way, in no way, alarmed by your opponents. So we have enemy, enemies, we have adversaries, we have opponents, but the Word, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul is telling us not in any way, any shape, any form or fashion to be terrified, to be alarmed, or to be intimidated by the forces of the enemy that come against us. I I tell you what, somebody ought to be shouting right now. Amen. Don't be afraid of your adversary of the enemy. That's, you know, fear Fear will, will, will drain you of your faith and you'll not be able to overcome the adversary if he can cause you to fear him. He uses intimidation. Goliath used it on David. But David was not terrified or intimidated by Goliath. He stood up to him and said to him, You come to me with the sword and the spear, but I've come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts and today I'll take your head off of you praise God God's going to deliver you into my hand he would not be terrified or intimidated by his enemy in church we cannot afford today to be intimidated by the adversaries that are coming against us as born again believers are you listening to me amen, our spiritual adversaries. But I'm telling you what, those powers of darkness, those wicked spirits, are using evil, wicked men, evil, wicked people in this last day. And they're gonna use those powers of darkness, will use evil people to come against the body of Christ, to come against the church, to come against born-again, spirit-filled believers in these last days. But we've gotta make up our mind, and the Word of God is saying right here, Don't be intimidated. Don't be terrified. Don't let fear get a hold on you. But stand your ground and be one and united together. And God will bring you through. And God will give you the victory. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to have boldness fearlessness, courage, if we're going to live and stay true to God in this day and hour which we live in. We're going to probably more than... And I don't, again, I want to encourage you. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but we're going to see some difficult times coming in America in this United States of America, going to be some rough times. I've preached about the persecution that, that the Bible predicts that is coming, will come to the church, even here in the United States. But we must not be alarmed or intimidated by the enemies of the church, the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the enemies of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I still have 1 John 4 and 4 still in my Bible that says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, amen. amen. Hallelujah! God told Joshua, "You're going to face those same enemies and giants when you go into the Promised Land, but be not afraid, be not dismayed. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll I'll be with you to drive them out." Praise God! We need some of that. Oh, we need some of that Caleb faith, Amen. When he was 85 years old, and they were divvying out the land of promise, and Caleb said, "I want that mountain where those giants." or that's my possession. He would not be intimidated by the enemy. And church, we've got to have, if there ever was something we need and ever was a day we needed, we need a holy boldness today. We need a holy boldness from God that we will stand our ground and not be terrified in any way by our enemies and by our adversaries. Hallelujah. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Can I get an amen? Amen. Worship team, you can be making your way back. Folks, the fact is, the truth is, that when we identify with the Lord Jesus Christ, it will involve some suffering. I know we don't like that that 29th verse, but it says, For to you it has been granted. This is something that God's blessed us with. (laughs) It's been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. I'm not talking about you know, suffering, we don't, the suffering for Christ's sake doesn't involve suffering, sickness, and disease. But the suffering for Christ's sake has to do with persecution, the things that the early church went through. But when we are identified with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to involve some suffering, persecution can be expected when we stand uncompromisingly for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Escape persecution? I'm pre-trib, you know, I believe we're leaving here, the church is leaving here before the, the great tribulation, I believe that before the Antichrist comes on the scene. I believe that. But there isn't anywhere in the Bible that tells us that we're going to, as Christians, escape persecution. All that live godly in Christ. Jesus even said in John 16, 33, He said, said, In the world you will have tribulation." So there are tribulations that we go through. Not the great tribulation, but tribulations that we face in the world because of the evil and the powers of darkness in the world. Jesus said that would happen. Jesus said that the servant is not greater than his Lord. And if they, Jesus said this, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And he says that the persecution, Paul said, is we will suffer for his sake. Take. They hate Jesus and they hate the Word of God. I'm talking about this world system. And they hate the Jesus that is in you and the Word of God that you stand for. And any time that a church or a preacher can be buddy-buddy and footsy footsie with the world and the world loves them, they're missing something somewhere because Jesus said, that world hated me, that world persecuted me, and if you're for me, they're going to hate you and they're going to persecute you. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen, but we better get a hold of this word. We better get a hold of those weapons. We better get a hold of that verse and not be terrified in the face of our enemies, but stand, stand against the persecution that is coming to the church. We got to stand against it like those Hebrew children. We're not bowing. We may burn, but we ain't bowing. And praise God, we're going to stand for what is right. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the only way to be. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we stand against those enemies, it's a sign. We're going to be delivered. But y'all are going to be in big trouble with the Lord. Amen. Those enemies will not prosper against us. We're going to stand our ground in unity and overcome. Amen? Praise God. So speaking of standing, let's do that. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Lord, we love you and praise you.